Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get to work, everybody. Let's get to work. I'm starting a new series today that's going to tick some of y'all off, but I have never been one to shy away from you being mad. So here we go. We just got out of a series called Sacred Rhythm. We're entering into a series um, called The Fearless Future. We're looking at the year 2050, and we're asking this question. Are we prepared? Are we prepared for the class of 2050 to graduate? Are we prepared for the class of 2050 to live for the glory of God in a culture that wants to have nothing to do with Jesus or God? That's what we're talking about. Why is that important? That is important because you're going to raise kids that want to walk away from the faith because you're going to, you yourself, are going to have experiences that are going to challenge you to walk away from the faith because you're going to have co-workers that are going to ask you questions and challenge your faith. And my concern is that the body of Christ is not equipped to handle the difficult questions that will come your way. In light of that, for the next three weeks, whether you like it or not, I'm going to talk about and equip you to know the language and to know how to deal with people that either have walked away from the faith, people that said, I tried church, it ain't for me, to, to realize all the different issues that affect the local church and how to deal with a messy world in church because people are messy and you need to learn to deal with mess and not expect church to be this perfect place where everybody and nobody ever sins and everybody just love each other all the time. That does not happen and I'm going to talk about it for the next three weeks. So if you don't like it, don't come back next week. If you like it, bring somebody who hates church. Tell them come next week. They're going to love it because I'm going to talk about church people and about us. Is that all right, family? Here we go. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. Mm -mm. You got to wait. You got to wait till you hear what I got to say. And by the way, don't get fooled or lulled into clapping today because if you clap one time, you're going to hate me the next. So just keep your hands just like this the whole time through until I'm done because I'm walking down your aisle today. I promise you in Jesus' name. So that's the preamble. Let's stand up. Let's go to Rome, uh, Luke chapter 15, and let's see what he has to say to us. Luke chapter 15, everybody got to read in the house today. So here we go. Read out loud, everybody. Let's start. Come on. And a man had, there it is. Next verse. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Verse 13. And not many days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with, with, last time, with. Here's what's happening. Stay standing. Here's what's happening. So you have this dad. He's raising two sons. 
This dad decides that I'm going to show my son how to live and follow the Jewish law and how to be morally upright. I'm going to teach him values he should have. I'm going to teach him the Torah. I'm going to teach him how to make sure he's walking right. And I'm going to teach him a worldview that he should live with. And I'm going to teach him everything I know so that as he grows up, he will want to be like me. Love Yahweh the way I love him, and I'm raising both sons like this. And as I raise these boys, there are other people that are trying to tell them that they should not follow me, just like you when you raise in your kids. They are people, and through the telephone that you gave them, are now telling them that, well, who says what your daddy say is true? Why should you believe what your mama said? Who says that that faith is real? Who says that anything they say, you just believe it because that's the house you grow up in, but you don't know it for yourself that it's real. Ladies and gentlemen, this is happening to all of you, and it's happening to your kids 10 times as much it is as it's happening to you. You're raising your kids, but one day, one of them is going to come to you and say, give me my stuff, I'm out of here. Whatever Jesus you serve, I don't want to serve him. And how do you handle it when that comes knocking on your door? We're going to talk about it. Stay standing. We ain't done yet. Let's see what happens. Here's what happens. Next verse. Here's what he says. Read it with me. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be... My, 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 my. Notice his daddy didn't run after him. His daddy waited... Till the trial show up. Notice what his daddy did. He waited until he was impoverished and he still didn't talk to him. Next verse. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that. The citizen is not one like his dad that trained him up in the way of the law. Not who he is. Somebody else. What happened? And he sent him into his to feed if you're a Bible scholar, you would know right there, you should have a gasp. You should say, <gasps> because for a Jew, they should have nothing to do with swine. It is the lowest of the lowest of the lowest that you could ever go. So now here's this dude that had a whole lot of money, disrespected his father, took his stuff, went away, and now he's looking face to face with a pig. Could not go any lower. That's where he finds himself. Watch the text. Watch what happens now. Next verse. And he would gladly fill his stomach with the pods that the swine. So now you can eat at the fancy table with your dad and you're choosing to eat pig food. That's where you are. You have, you, have, you have so lowered yourself that now everything your daddy taught you is out and you're eating pig food. So low you are. Watch the text. And no one was giving anything to him. Next verse. But when he came to his... My God, there it is. There it is. When you walk away from God... And the bottom falls out. One day, because there is no other place to look but up, you're going to come to your senses. Oh, you're going to come to your senses. 
Watch the text. Came to his senses. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. When I look at how good my daddy is to me, all I got to do is think about how good he is, get up, swallow my pride, humble myself, and let me walk back to daddy and say, daddy, thank you for loving me the way you do. Watch the text. Next verse. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Watch the humility. The daddy didn't have to make him say that. The Holy Ghost, the God of this world, went after him and said, you can choose that kind of living or you can come back home. He comes to his senses and he says, the people at my father's table, they wouldn't live like this. God, forgive me. Next verse. Next verse. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't come and say, Daddy, I'm coming back home. No, no, no. He's humble and said, Dad, I don't even want to be called a son. Can I just do what the servants do? I know I blew it. I messed up. I did all the wrong things. Can I just, can I just to be, get to be close to you? I don't need to be in the house. I just need to be close. Watch the humility. That's overcoming him. The dad didn't have to say anything. Watch what the dad do. Next verse. Watch what happens to the dad. So he got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father, who was looking every day for him, when you walk away from God, some of you coming back to church for the first time, when you walk away from God, here's what you need to know. He's been looking for you every day since you left him. That's how much he loves you. He's been waiting. His arms have been open, and he has been waiting for you to come to your senses because you thought it was better out there until you found out ain't no place Ain't no place like home and ain't no arms better than Jesus' arms. Listen to me, family. Listen. Watch what dad did. Watch what dad did. His father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran and embraced him and kissed him. Next verse. Come on. And the son said to him, repeated exactly what he said. I have sinned, so on and so forth. Next verse. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe. You didn't do nothing to deserve the best robe. It is purely behind the grace of God why you're getting this robe. You didn't do a doggone thing. It is the Father's love that comes and says, I'm going to give you a robe even though you don't deserve it. Somebody ought to shout right there and say, thank you for your grace, God, right there. Because I deserve nothing and you still graciously allow me to sit at your table. Watch the text. Watch what he says. And put it on him. And Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Next verse. And bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. For this son of mine who was dead and has come to life again, he was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Listen to me, the moment you believe you deserve anything, the moment you believe that you earned God's right, the moment you believe that you did something, which is why you're so special, is the moment you can walk away from your faith. Because you believe that it was because of you. But when you believe and you are convinced that it was nothing to do with me and everything to do with God, then every time I come into his presence, I'm going to praise his name because I don't deserve to be here. 
but for the grace of God. Say that with me, everybody. But for the grace of God. Somebody's still not convinced. Say it one more time. But for the grace of God. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. My God, my God, my God, my God. You ain't never heard a sermon like this. What I'm about to teach you today, you ain't never heard a sermon like this. So let's talk about it real quick and then see if we can get out of here uh, on time. Well, we ain't going to get out of here on time. We're going to be late. I'm just letting you know that right now. All right. Um, I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that the big C church, meaning not just one community, the large body of Christ, has to address what we're going to address over the next three weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I am extraordinarily concerned about the attacks that's happening on the big C church and how people are leaving. I tell you, a million students every year leave the faith. A million Leave the faith. And we still sit around here singing kumbaya and singing all to Jesus and singing. And don't realize the spiritual attacks that's facing the church of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about three words. First word, construction. Second word, deconstruction. Third word, reconstruction. Say it with me twice. First word, Construction. You're constructing something. You're building something. You are doing your very best to raise your kids up. You're doing your very best to raise them with a worldview that has Jesus Christ at the center of it. If you're trying to do that, ladies and gentlemen, you're trying to construct with them a mental model of how to make good and wise decisions. You're trying to help them discern what is wise and what is foolish. You're trying to help them um, come up with value systems that they live their lives by. You're trying your very best to do that. And it's great. Your parents tried to do it with you. But then there's going to come a time when they begin to deconstruct what you constructed. There's going to come a time in everybody's life where they begin to say, well, who says that this is true? They're going to begin to say, well, how come you say God is so good and yet still so many people are suffering? I don't know that I believe what you believe, mama. How come you don't want to love the people because they love somebody that you don't think they should love? I don't trust your faith, mama and daddy. How come you believe in a God and yet still politics has taken over your faith? How come I don't believe in your God because you can't answer the hard questions that I have? You don't like doubting because if I doubt, you want to throw me out because I don't believe like you believe. And if you don't, if you're not careful, slowly this world is inching away and saying that your Jesus is irrational, mean, unloving, and I'm not so sure that I should believe it anymore. This is real, ladies and gentlemen. People, adults, kids, grandparents, uh, singles, couples are walking away because they do not know how to defend their faith. And number two, because there's not room and space in church to deal with the messiness of church. So let's talk about it. Let me jump right in so that you can know. I got, I got a number of people in our church that have attractions to same sex. Number of them. I got this one girl, one young lady, wonderful woman of God, love God with all her heart, but she's not attracted to men. She says she's attracted to women. So she doesn't want to go in a community group with girls because she's afraid that she might see some legs and say, I want that one. I am attracted to that one. Didn't know I can talk like that in church, huh? It's okay. 
So how do you deal with a woman like that? She loved Jesus. She's trying to do the right thing, and she doesn't want to do that because she's now struggling, to which you want to tell me, well, man, she doesn't need to get out of the church. We're not dealing with none of that. Well, hold on, because you living with somebody you ain't married to, and you ain't asking me, well, what's up? Or don't clap. I told you not to clap. I'm walking down your road because you got divorced from somebody, and the Bible says you can't get remarried because you got an illegitimate divorce, but you want me to okay that, but you want to leave these people out of the church. Don't clap. Just stay right there and look straight ahead because I'm walking down your aisle today. You don't want to tithe and give God no money. You want to spend God's money on some shoes, but you want me to kick them out and let you stay. I said, don't clap today. Just sit down and be okay. I'm coming down your road. You want to go be a swinger, but you don't. Y'all should have stayed home today. Watch another church today because we're going there today. You want to not handle the difficulty of a man or a woman attracted to the same sex and you want us to kick them out of the church when they love God and admit that it's a struggle and trying to work on it when you living in your sinful state and don't even want to stop doing it, not even struggling with it, but you want them out and you want to stay in. Say it, Pastor! I told you don't clap today. I don't need you today. I really don't. I don't need no encouragement. I am good all by myself. Me and the Holy Ghost, good today. I don't need that one encouragement. Because if as a church we don't deal with this, your kids are going to say they want to have nothing to do with your Jesus. I'm just trying to tell you. It's a real deal. What did I, you know what I had to do with this young lady? I had to bring her in my men's discipleship group. Because really, see, you're not going like this either. Really, we're supposed to have a ministry for the sexually broken. Let me tell you who need to be in there. That's right. <laughs> I got to sit down. My sister said, everybody. Who need to be in there? Everybody. Everybody need to be in there. You crazy. Do you hear me? You're crazy. Tell me, who need to be? Everybody need to be. Everybody. <laughs> what kind of church is this? She said, everybody need to be in there. Everybody broken. <laughs> oh, you recover from that. Because <laughs> if you're living together and you ain't married, you're sexually broken. Because if you want out of your marriage just because you're not feeling it anymore, you sexually broken. If you love swinging, you sexually broken. If you love the same sex, you sexually broken. As far as God's standard is concerned, all of us are, at some level, sexually broken. So before you shine the light on somebody else, take the doggone log out of your own before you get on that path. The problem, however, is it gets messy because we don't have categories for that. And it's not clean and pretty. And everybody says, okay, you belong in this little box. 
So therefore, we don't know what to do with it. Do you see what I'm saying? But if you don't really wrestle with this, your kids are going to call you out. Your kids are going to. Because it's not, it's not optional for them like it was for you. The world you grew up in, yes, people were still in the closet. People were still doing their thing. Not today. Everybody. You, today, you got to go in the closet if you're Christian. Go in the closet. Don't tell nobody at your job, well, I'm Christian. You better go in the closet and not tell nobody. Because on your job, if you say you love Jesus, you might be fired for it because they're going to say you are a narrow-minded bigot. Listen to me, somebody. I'm just trying to tell you. Because if we don't deal with this, people will continue in droves to leave the big C church. That's why we have to wrestle with it. That's just one of the... Okay, you're not food. Let me, let me just go down the path. I'm going to give you 10 areas that causes deconstruction. What are my three words again? Construction. Second one is... De- third one is reconstruction. Now, part of the problem is most people in a secular environment today, think deconstruction is the goal. Let's just tear it down. Tear everything down. Tear everything down. Tear everything down. And they're not realizing that deconstruction is the means to a greater goal. By the way, you need to know Jesus deconstructed the religious leaders of his day. Which is why he calls them out and says, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. Because he said, that's not what God desired of you as the religious leaders. So he said to them, hey man, you vipers, you hypocrites. You, and he called them all kinds of names. Why? Because he was trying to get them to realize who God originally intended them to be. Dr. Martin Luther King, what did he do? He himself, the one that nailed the 95 thesis to the, to the door of that church, what was he trying to say? He was trying to say, church, big C church, you cannot believe that everybody have to go through the Pope to get to God. The Bible says that we have access. Everybody does have access because of Jesus Christ. So now the only reason you can have an, an experience, an intimate relationship with God is because of what he nailed on that church. And so he deconstructed the theologians of the day and reminded them that everybody has access to Jesus. That's called deacon. That's a good thing when it leads to a healthier church. But we got some stuff that's causing deconstruction today. So let me tell you. Go to your notes. I'm going to give you 10, 10 to 12 of them. Let me give you all 12. And you go, let's talk about it. And then we're going to go to where we're heading. We have three weeks to do this. This is the first week. Come, let me give you all 12. Go to, go to these 12 areas for me, please. Let's pick them up. Ladies and gentlemen, why do people dis- deconstruct? Number one, because of betrayal in the church. For years we've seen it. For years we've seen people say, hey, we're going to do stuff, give us some money and we're going to do it, and then they don't do it. For years we've seen uh, people that are in authority and have power misuse and mismanage power. We've seen it. We've seen it. You've gone through it. Many of you have. It's been painful. It's been tough. It's brought us tears. And what do people do when that happens? They say, well, I'm just done with the whole thing. Listen to me. Listen to me. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. So just because his, his leaders misrepresent how Jesus wants it does not mean you throw the whole church out. It means you keep Jesus and you focus on Jesus and you allow the church that Jesus is building to become who it's supposed to be. Which is why you don't look at man, you look at Jesus. Number two, it's only get worse from here. A bigger systemic issue. What are these systemic issues? White supremacy. 
Oh, it's going to get tough in here in a minute. So get ready. Put your seatbelt on because here we go. White supremacy. The LGBTQ plus whole group. And there are systemic issues now that the church has to wrestle with. Because, because um, some from other religious areas will say, well, you see, all Christianity is is a white man's religion. And all they want to do is control you. And all they want to do is tell you that you need to feel guilty and control you and manipulate you with religion. And so because of the rise of white supremacy, now the black power movement wants to come and say, that's all Christianity has always been. But they don't want to go back further than where they go. They, they should go back to see that theologians back in the day were African Americans. I taught you on this, so I don't have to stay here long. And that Christianity is not a white man's religion. Because African American, African theologians have for a long time shaped who and how we view Jesus the Christ. So ladies and gentlemen, you must learn your theology not just from your podcast people who hate the church. You must also learn it from historians who know the full counsel of God as well as theologians who have been wrestling with the text for years. This is too important, I'm just telling you. And so be careful when you want to say, yeah, man, Jesus was black and, and everybody is black and it's all black power. Don't do to them what they did to us. What is wrong with us? We got extra security today, by the way. We're watching you. Number two, um, the LGBTQ. Ladies and gentlemen, We've got to wrestle with that. It's normal. You, the kids that, your kids when they grow up, half their friends, half of them is going to be attracted to same sex. You're not in some bubble anymore. And, and by the way, it's, 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 we're still a little protected here in the Bible Belt. Don't go outside of Texas. God have mercy on us all. Don't go. But it's coming because they all move in here because of taxes. I'm not mad. I'm just trying to share the truth. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just asking you to realize that that's the culture. We're going to live in a post-Christian. Christianity won't be the normal conversation anymore. They will be, they will be um, 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 angry and seething mad at anybody who wants to believe that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the man Christ Jesus. Because anything that's narrow, they're going to attack they're not going to be like, yes, come with open arms, which is why we have to be so much more wiser than we currently are as we try to love God and love people. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to raise your kids in this world. And you cannot just say, the Bible says it, that settles it, I believe it, this is what we believe and that's how, okay, they're going to run from you. They're going to run because, listen, every time you say one thought, the world is saying 3,000 thoughts to them. And you better realize that that's why 2050, it's going to be 10 million to one. Which is why discipleship today is more important than ever before in the history of church. One person walking with you to teach you and walk with you on the whole counsel of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this, a million students a year, and it's only increasing. 
And you think we want to play church anymore? You don't want to deal with the real issues? Somebody come in here and say, well, I'm attracted to this. You, you don't want to deal with that reality? I'm just telling you, you have to. And if you don't have space for that, then your religion and your Christianity and you being a follower of Christ will become ineffective. And it's not because of Christ and the Bible. It's because you don't want to think long and hard enough about how to deal with the current environment that he's asked us to be the light in a dark world in. Number three. Number three. Watch this one now. Some of y'all are going to run out of here on this one. Singleness is causing people to deconstruct. Being single. Let me help you out. Because when you're single and you're trying to do this thing, and then all of a sudden you can't find no man or no woman, and all of a sudden you'll be like, well, hold on, hold on. How can a good God not give me what I want? I've been trying to follow him for all my life, and ain't no good God would do this to me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make up my own religion because I don't want to feel guilt when I go out there and sleep with somebody or when I go out there and handle my business myself. I don't want to feel guilty, so let me leave the faith so I can have guilt-free pleasure. I know, don't clap because you're going to tell on yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? So now the culture is going to say, what kind of God? See, you're just letting them control you. You need to live your life. Live your best life right now. And if Tom today wants you, take Tom. If Harry today, if uh, 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 Ray Sean tomorrow, and if uh, 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 Buki on the next day, I don't care who they are. The, the culture is going to tell you, handle your business. And you're going to say, but Jesus, and they're going to say, to heck with Jesus. Deal with yourself. Believe your own truth for yourself. Do you see how it subtly moves into just throw this, just, just, just get it out of here. Why would you have to surrender and submit yourself to somebody that wants to limit you? It's, it's Genesis chapter 3 all over again. But now it's happening at a much faster and a more loaded way than ever before. Number four. Listen, I'm telling you, somebody's going to run out of here. You're going to run out of here. Number four is the political system. Oh, God. Oh, God. I know I'm going to have enemies today. We're going to lose about 20, but, we, but 200 joining, so we're okay. Um, for years, the church has sold themselves to the political system. Listen to me. And because we have, people don't want to deal with the church no more. Because we, meaning people like me in my position, pastors, have sold ourselves to either the Democrats or the Republicans. So now we don't have any moral authority because we have allowed them to speak on our behalf. Listen to me, please. For years, it was, it, was, it was the Democratic Party that came in black churches and said, listen, you got you to gotta vote us straight, straight Democrat every week, every year, every summer, straight Democrat. And, and nobody said nothing. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. But it's a big deal now because Trump come on the other side and said, all of y'all in the church, come with me because I'm holding up a Bible. And all of a sudden now, Trump be like, yeah, let me use the church to get me in. And now all the black people mad that Trump did that. Well, what have they been doing to us before? The same thing. Listen, and here is who suffers. The name of Jesus Christ. 
I tell you, you don't need a club. Don't need your club today. Here's why. This is so important. Because now the people that are sitting on the sidelines trying to make a decision about their faith now sits back and say, but I don't even know if I can trust y'all. Because y'all will sell yourself for a dollar. Y'all want... Stop, 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 stop. Y'all want a stimulus check. So let me vote them in so I can get a stimulus check. Because I want stimulus. I want my child credit check. Sell it to me. Check, 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 check. Check. Hey, 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 hey. Freemoney.com. Freemoney.com. Selling yourself. There's a name for that. Anyways, um, leave that alone. On the other side, on the other side, on the other side, well, we got to get the Supreme Court right, and we got to get, uh, you know, babies can't just, we just can't let the babies die. And so you sell yourself, and you believe those two things are more important than anything else in the whole wide world, so let's go. And on the other side, you sell yourself for a check, because, well, we need to believe in the poor and need to help the poor up. And you don't look at it holistically. You look at it individually. And ladies and gentlemen, now when people hear the church, they say the church is the problem because you get in bed with these politicians. Do you see what I'm saying? So now we got to be careful. That's why you don't ever see and will never see a political person come up here talking about, well, I just want to thank Buster Conway. You're not going to see it because they, they don't deserve to be in nobody's pulpit at all. Because the only thing that should come from here is the word of God. Amen. Not a political agenda. I'm just trying to tell you. It don't matter how much money they give you or promise. It's irrelevant. If you're going to be objective, then you got to preach the word of God. Can I get a witness in here, somebody? Number five. I'm showing you why people are confused about the church and why they want to leave in light of that. The next one is... Number four was political system. The next one is the misuse of authority. The misuse of authority. No, no, no. First of all, they don't even like authorities, which is why they don't even want nobody to tell them nothing. They don't. If you're under 35, you don't want nobody to tell you nothing. You want to do you. You want your own truth. You want your own stuff. Leave me alone. I don't need y'all. Y'all old school. I'm doing me. But they have a reason for it. Because guys in my position have misused their authority. And we have, we have promised things we don't deliver on. And we have misused it. And so because of that, we have given them reason. Now, to next week we want to talk about why even if they disappoint you, Jesus is still the head of the church. That don't give you a reason because they messed up that you don't follow Jesus. That makes sense? About, and by the way, you can't say you, 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 <clears throat> you like Jesus but you don't like the church. He is the head of the church. So if you like Jesus, you like the church. Because that's what he's the head of. Say it, pastor. Say it. Let's go. Next one. Real quick. Ooh, poor. Let's start. Oh. Y'all, I can talk about all these forever. Poor teaching. Be careful because when you, when you, when you, when you, when you pump your pastor up, he's going to want to tell you what you keep applauding. Be careful. That's why you're not driven by the applause of men. Because we have too many people in church that don't even know what the gospel is. They don't even know what they were saved from. They don't even know if they're really saved. 
That is, and the problem with this is, that is why if you don't teach on suffering, then when suffering shows up, you'll want to leave. Because you thought that life was all about you. It has never been about you. It's been about God. And you've been on the periphery. But some pastor put you in the middle and God on the periphery. Because they want to please you so that you can keep giving. But you are on the periphery and God is in the middle. And God gets to determine what he wants to do, when he wants to do, and how he wants to do. And you just are grateful that he loves you no matter what. This is so important. That's why teaching is important. That's why you cannot, just, you cannot just want your pastor to tell you stuff you want to hear. That's why you don't just go to church to get excited and say, oh, I got a word. You must go outside and say, I can't stand that church. You must leave church saying that sometimes. I can't stand it. That's right. Why should you say that? Because that means it was good for your soul. Because it puts you outside of the center and it put God where he belongs. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first. Not yourself, not yourself, not your pleasures, not what you want. The kingdom of God. That's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everything you got, love him first. That's why he says it. Because it's not about you. You're secondary. That's why teaching is so important because if you have bad teaching, you'll walk away from your faith because the, they, put, they put you up on a pedestal and you now start to expect that God will just meet all your needs. He's not going to meet all your needs. Mm -mm, he's not. Here's what he's going to meet. Whatever he thinks you need, he's going to meet that. Not your desires, what he thinks you need. He's going to meet that. My point is simply, we've got to make sure we're teaching the whole counsel of God and not just the parts you need to hear, you want to hear. That makes sense, fam? That all right? So you can get mad at me sometimes. It doesn't bother me. It really don't because my identity is not attached to you liking me. You didn't call me. He did. And you can unfriend me. It does not, it does not bother me if you unfriend me. It is okay. You can always get another pastor. I, my wife and my kids can't get another husband. And, well, she can't, but she better not. But she can't get another husband. And my kids can't get another daddy. Okay? So let me help you out. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Them, I give my whole life for. You will come bury me one day and then say, God bless who's the next guy and keep him moving. That's why I'm not selling my soul for you. Because Jesus called me, not you. All right, let's go. Here we go. Next one. Next one, next one, next one, next one. Street cred. Next reason why people leave because of street cred. Because it's now cool to doubt. So everybody walking around, yeah, I don't believe that no more. I don't believe that no more. Because they want street cred because it's cool to question everything in our culture now. Next one, last one. Here we go. Because of the desire to sin. So you want to sin. God make you feel guilty about sinning. So you bounce. I don't love my faith no more. I don't trust God no more. I don't trust my parents taught me anymore because I desire to do something that God will not easily allow me to do it and make me excited about it. So let me show you the two areas, externally and internally, and then we're going to be done for today. Here we go. Let me show you two areas of deconstruction that this is important for you to understand. Number one, externally. Watch what's happening here, everybody. This is so important for you to know the language so you will hear it in people's story. Listen up. Number one, 
You have the broken trust of spiritual leaders. They said they were going to do something, live up to a certain way. They didn't. So now it causes you to be hurt and to be broken. And everybody that leaves the faith, it's usually out of pain somewhere. Every time. Just listen to the story. You'll hear Number two, cheap grace and low discipleship. Because all churches want to do is tell you, come in, and all you got to do is just hear a good word, give you money, and then leave. That's called low discipleship. That means they only want you for your money and for you to get saved until you get baptized so we can count some numbers, and then that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's what you're trying to do in this age, it ain't going to work. Because you have to disciple people. I'm telling you. You cannot any longer just go to church, get a word, and go home. You have to bring the whole counsel of your life under the whole counsel of God. The, what's the one on the other side? Watch this. The ascent of secular ideology. Now, this is why everybody just wants to be spiritual. They don't want to follow Jesus. They just want to be spiritual, which is why they go through all the ancient Asian practices. Well, I just want to be spiritual, and I just want to meditate my way into peace. Because what they want is peace, justice, and joy outside of Jesus Christ. That's what they're going after. And I'm telling you, if you listen to the people in the secular world more than you watch and read and listen to the word of God, you will become what you listen to. Next one, internally. Here's what's happening internally. Yep, what, this is so important. Digital inputs and low scripture. You have, listen, it's 20 to 1. You listen to things 20 times more and one time. So in terms of ever, on an average day, you listen to 20 things about the world and one thing about, the, about scripture. You're going to become what you listen to. Now, that's now. In 2050, it's going to be like 10,000 to 1. Because of the digital inputs that are coming toward us. Do you see why you're losing the battle with your kids? Because you're trying to guard them. When we, when we were growing up, y'all old folk like me, there was no other outside area that could influence them unless you send them to a crazy school. Today, that phone will transform their mind without you even knowing it. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a big deal. All right, watch it. Next, the next two. <clears throat> the lack of fear of God. Nobody fears God anymore. And then you have a wounded heart, somebody that's been hurt. And so therefore now you've got, they want to deconstruct everything because of the digital inputs, because of the lack of fear, and because of the wounded hearts. So now you have people saying, get away from here. I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. And the church is still saying, hey, guys, just come, pay your tithes, and go back home. And I'm like, no, bro, you must Pour into, through discipleship, the lives of other people. Because if you don't, you're going to have people who want Jesus to follow them, not them following Jesus. Listen, you know one of the reasons why we just finished the last series? It's because, what have we done? I've deconstructed our church and I've said, you know what? We got to go back to the practices that made believers for centuries godly. And we got to bring them into the present and say, this church, we're going to fast and we're going to give up our bowl every single week. You know why I did that? Because when you look, nobody's doing that anymore. And then how do you get the digital inputs out of your mind so you can increase spiritual input through the word of God? There's no, how else are you going to do it? But through fasting. That's why it becomes important. If you want to keep playing church, then go play it. I'm God bless you, go do it. But if you really want to get serious with God, the pathway forward has to be through practicing the disciplines to allow more of God inside of our hearts. Let me see if I can land the plane and then I'm done. Four things, the bottom of your notes, second page, and then I'm done. What's the result 
of deconstruction. But what's the result? You notice I haven't gotten to reconstruction yet. I'm still in deconstruction. What's the result of it? Four things. Number one, <clears throat> and then we're going home. Number one, erase the divide between the ordained clergy and the lay people. Here's what's happening now. <clears throat> because of all of these people questioning everything, what's going to happen in the future is there are going to be less paid people to do church and more regular people living out their faith. Which is why, what's my job? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's why lay people should go in their businesses, on their jobs, wherever they go, and they should represent Christ's love well. They should learn how to deal with people who think radically differently than them and not try to preach truth to them when their eyes are closed to truth. But wait till the bottom falls out, and then after a trusted relationship is there, now you can speak truth to that relationship, but not before. If you do it before, you're an arrogant bigot that's just trying to pour Jesus down their throat. We have to learn patience to just love people the way they are and wait for the opening to then come in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just pleading with you. Do not dare try to convince your kids that they just ought to buck it up and love Jesus. They will run out of your house in the name of Jesus. I promise you they will. And I see it too often on a daily basis. And I'm saying we got to think differently about this thing called church, which is why you better be equipped to handle the difficulties. And when, when that child or your neighbor's child comes and they think differently from you, you don't preach to them in that moment, but you live in their well and you understand their story and you understand their why. And when the bottom falls out, you now ask God to give you the right words to speak truth in love to them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, they will leave in droves unless we become wiser in how we carry out our ecclesiology. I hope you're getting it. I do. Three more and then I'm done. Number two. Um, it reminds us that Jesus' followers are human. Every last one of us are human. Don't think you're all that. Don't expect people to be perfect. Nobody is. We're going to fail. And if you think somebody's perfect, it's just that you don't know the drama yet. You'll find out over time. Just realize that we focus and fix our eyes on who, everybody? Jesus. Say it again. The answer is always Jesus, by the way. You fix your eyes on? Jesus. Last time, you fix your eyes on? Jesus. Number three. And then we're, number three. <clears throat> it reminds us that set apart means that we're charged with exemplifying love. What's the mark of a Christian? That you, are, that you love. That's the mark of a Christian. You don't walk around condemning people. That's not what Jesus did. He spent more time with non-Christians than he did with Christians. He, the mark is that he loved people. He was hard on the religious people that were hypocrites, but he's extraordinarily gracious to people who think completely differently than he did. And then what's the last one? The blurring of the lines between our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy. That is what we believe and how we practice it and how it works out. Which means there ought to be oneness between this is what I believe and this is what I'm trying to live out for the glory of God. And if I don't do it, I'm going to say I'm sorry and I'm going to try again for the glory of God. So what did I tee up today? I wanted to give you language so you can have conversations around why people want to bail on their faith. <clears throat> and then I want to let you see the process that people are going through in our culture as they move from, say the three words with me, construction to deconstruction to 
reconstruction. Why is that important? So when you hear stories, you don't just jump in, but you know what they're going to say before they even say it. So you can start praying for them and say, God, when the time is right, will you please give me an opportunity to have a conversation that goes deeper than just it's Jesus' fault or it's this person's fault or it's this other person's fault. But you can begin to say, let me hear the wounded heart and let me love them right where they are and see how God will lead them here. That makes sense, everybody? Come on, give it up for God. I'm done. I'm done.